Welcome to From the Inside Out with Pastor Tim Molter of Calvary Chapel, Fergus Falls in Minnesota. We're glad you could join us today. Sit tight, get your Bible, and get ready to get in the Word with us as we go verse by verse, chapter by chapter, and book by book through the Word of God. All right, with that, let's turn in our Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, picking up in verse 19, going through verse 34 in the chapter. So we continue our study of the Sermon on the Mount by Jesus, which is the greatest sermon ever given. And so today we'll be focusing on his teaching about money and possessions and also take a look at the exhortation about how we should not worry. And so with that, let's jump right in. We'll take a look at verse 19 through verse 21 about laying up our treasures in heaven. So Jesus says here in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, you need to know there's nothing wrong with having stuff, right? You can have stuff on earth, but make sure you're not piling up treasures on earth where they fade away, where over time thieves can break and steal. Abraham, one of the uh, patriarchs of the Old Testament, was a very wealthy person. He had a lot of livestock and a lot of camels and uh, animals and all those kind of things. Um, yet, he didn't make that his primary focus. Right? But he made the Lord his focus. So, rather, our real treasures should be in heaven, which last forever, where nobody can break in and steal. And the key to this whole teaching is really the last part here, um, where he says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, in verse 21. Now, it's been widely observed uh, that uh, you never see a moving truck full of possessions following behind a hearse. That's because when you die, you don't take any of the stuff with you. Uh, everything you have in this world is going to be left behind. Now, if you study history and you take a look at the pharaohs of Egypt, um, they had thought that they could be buried with their gold and their treasures and then take those things with them into the afterlife. But guess what? They left it all behind. And so the key to this whole teaching is really we need to focus on our treasures in the Lord, our treasures in heaven. Now, if you want to take that even further about collecting gold and collecting treasures on earth, uh, treasures on earth, we think gold's a precious, uh, valuable material, but it's not as valuable in heaven. God uses gold to pave the streets of heaven. So if you really want to hold on to gold here, just realize from God's perspective in heaven, you're holding on to cement. Right? The streets are paved with gold. So maybe you like pavement, I don't know, but it's not, it's not something that's going to be worth much later on. 
And so you see, earthly stuff is temporary. The spiritual things are eternal. Now, the world will tell you the key to happiness is more stuff. Uh, in fact, I remember one Super Bowl uh, player, he had, had uh, just won another ring on his finger uh, from a Super Bowl championship, and he was asked the question, uh, are you happy? And he didn't quite know how to respond in a live interview. But he candidly just shared, no. Uh, I thought winning another Super Bowl would make me happy, and here I am still feeling incomplete. And he began to describe how he felt like there was this void or something empty, something missing from his life, but he couldn't just quite figure out what it was. He was looking for something to fill that and give him meaning and purpose. And I remember watching this, I just wanted to yell at the TV, it's Jesus, you need Jesus, right? There's a God-shaped void in your life, and you need the Lord Jesus Christ to have a relationship with God the Father through God the Son. So, the key to the secret of happiness is not more, it's contentment. In fact, Paul the Apostle said this in 1 Timothy 6.6, Now, godliness with contentment is great gain. So we need to learn to be content with what we have. Um, and as not so much that Jesus was concerned with the disciples' wealth, but really where the disciples' loyalty lie. And it's interesting as Jesus is telling this greatest sermon ever told that shared to the crowd, his disciples were also there, including one named Judas Iscariot who would later betray him. Uh, for some material things, some money. So the Lord Jesus says we should lay up or take advantage now of laying up our treasures in heaven. So what does that mean and how do we lay up our treasures in heaven? Well, there's several scriptures that mention this. Uh, Matthew chapter 10 verse 41 mentions that there awaits the believer who serve the Lord faithfully in this world our reward. So if you're serving God here and now, there's a reward awaiting you in heaven. 2 Timothy 4.8 mentions a great reward promised to those who are persecuted for Jesus' sake. So you're picked on or uh, you're persecuted, uh, you're punished because you're a follower of Jesus Christ. God says there's a reward awaiting you in heaven. Also in um, Revelation, Chapter 22, verse 12, it tells us Jesus says that he will bring rewards with him when he returns. When Christ comes again, he will bring rewards with him to those who have served him. So when we live sacrificially for Jesus Christ, we serve him by serving the body of Christ. We're storing up our treasures in heaven. And we also see here um, that even the small things we do, the things that we would think are insignificant, God sees them. In fact, in Matthew chapter 10, verse 42, Jesus said, If anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones, 
who is my disciple. Truly I tell you, that person will certainly not lose their reward. So we see that even seemingly the small acts of service do not go unnoticed by God. And you might think, well, I gave somebody some water. They were thirsty. And Jesus says, whatever you've done to the least of these, you've done unto me. So even those small acts, God sees and God will reward you for it. And so you're laying up treasures in heaven. And, and if we take a look at this, verse 21, for where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. We begin to realize the real treasure in a Christian's life is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. When Jesus is our treasure, we will commit everything to him. And the truth is we're stewards, we're managers of all that God has put into our lives and put into our hand. And if we begin to be stingy and told on everything, well, it's hard for God to put more into our hands so that we can then give to others and be generous and be a blessing. But when we realize, God, you're all I really need and all I really want, well, then we realize everything I have, I'm going to commit to you, Lord. Our time, our talents, our money, our treasure, right? It's going to be used for his work in this world. G. Campbell Morgan said that Master does not say it's wrong to possess earthly treasure. He does say it's wrong to lay it up for self. We are to hold on to it as stewards. What a great truth G. Campbell Morgan shares. So often this world is consumed with things for self. In fact, you even see the rich young ruler, when he came to approach Jesus, uh, was concerned about stuff, his possessions. And Jesus said, sell it all and give it to the poor, and then give it to the poor and, and, and come follow me. And he says he went away sorrowful. So we're just called to be stewards, right? And, and we're going to lay up our treasures for the Lord. And so the Lord will be faithful to reward us for the service we give to him, as Hebrews uh, 6, verse 10 says. Now, our ministries may differ, but the Lord Jesus Christ that we serve is the same. And the scriptures teach us that whatever we do, we should do it as unto the Lord. The Lord is faithful. And we're just stewards, we're managers. We're going to be working as unto the Lord as his servants. And so we don't want to keep our eyes too much on this world. We want to keep our eyes on what is above, things of the Lord. And that's what we'll take a look at next in verse 22 and verse 23. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Here our Lord begins to describe the eye as a, a lamp that comes into the, to, brings the light into the whole body. Now if you have no light, you can't see at all, you're blind. 
It reminds me uh, when I have talked to atheists several times um, and try and evangelize and share the gospel with them, trying to get them to realize the value of their soul, I will ask them simply if they'd be willing to part, to part with one of their eyes. If I can buy one of their eyes off them, which seems kind of strange, right? You'll see where I'm going with this. Um, and so I ask, well, would you sell one of your eyes for a thousand dollars? No, no. Well, how about a million dollars? No, with inflation, you know, today. Uh, how about a hundred million? Well, maybe. I could probably go without one eye. Okay, well, what about both eyes? Would you sell both eyes? They'll say, no. I, I like my eyes. I like to be able to see nature. I like to see the beauty and, and things around me. And, and then I'll share with them, well, your eyes are the window to your soul. Jesus said, what is a profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? How much more valuable is your soul than your eye? And it gets them to begin to think about those eternal things. So our eyes take in not only what we see, but how we perceive what we see, which makes the difference between godliness and ungodliness, between light and darkness. Pastor David Guzik said, the idea behind having a good eye is either being generous or being single-minded. Both principles apply to the disciples' attitude towards material things. Being generous brings light into our lives. We are happier and more content. We have God's heart of generosity. But if we're not generous, as it is, your whole body will then be full of darkness. So we want to have that perspective, right? To allow the light of God's word of truth into our lives. If you have bad eyes, right, it's going to lead to a bad perception. And you have to realize that there's a lot of people who think they are following the true light. But it's actually a, a counterfeit light. Right? Inside we have these incandescent bowls. It's, it's a man-made form of light. It's different than the sunlight. Right? And so we can see that there's something more. And, and yet we know that enemy will masquerade, right? It says 2 Corinthians 11, 14, tells us that Satan distinguishes himself. He masquerades as an angel of light, a counterfeit to the truth. And that's his great deception, to make people think they found the light when, in fact, it's darkness. It's a false light. His intention is to blind people to the truth, to corrupt their minds and their hearts, and uses the eyes to gain entrance into the hearts. And, and we see this in the beginning, right? The fall of Adam and Eve. There was the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. The food was desirable, it looked good, it was desirable to make one wise, right? But you could also become like God. And so we see this humanistic nature of covetousness is exploited again and again and again by the enemy. In fact, if you want to take a look at this, you'll realize that all of the advertising in the world today plays off that human uh, nature of covetousness. 
that you need something new, something shiny, right? Something, because you can't live without it. You need this product. You need this service. And if only you had this, life would be great. Just like the people in this advertisement. So you got to get this. And if you get one now, we'll give you the second one half off. So we see that's the way the world's operating. So it's appealing to the materialistic stuff. And how sad is that people will think that if they just had more stuff, it'll make them happy. It'll make them fulfilled people. All the while, it's robbing them of the very joy they're looking for. And the truth is, the light is everywhere. Right? The truth of God's Word is everywhere. But it's like the sun in the daytime. If your eyes aren't looking in the sunlight, and you're living in, inside darkness... Right? Your eyes are then continually focused on sin. And the light you perceive is really no light at all. And so if we want to be filled with the true light, filled with the light of Jesus Christ, well, we have to turn from our sin. We have to repent. And so if we're headed this way, away from God, we need to stop. We need to turn around. We need to realize we need to head back towards the Lord. We need to do an about-face, to do a 180 and then we also need to ask God to forgive us for our sins. He's faithful just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And we need to then have our eyes open, our spiritual eyes open. And what I have found is as we mature in Christ, we begin to realize how dark this world is. And this world's getting darker and darker and darker. But you also find at the same time this little light of mine, this little light of ours, it's going to shine brighter and brighter and brighter. And so don't sell yourself short of making an impact in the lives of those around you. But at the same time, we must be careful where we allow our eyes to go. We guard our hearts and our souls by guarding our eyes. So the whole point that Jesus is making here tells us that either our eyes are directed towards heavenly things, therefore full of light, the true light, or it's directed towards earthly things, and therefore full of darkness. And the reality is, you can't have your eyes in both places at the same time. It doesn't work, right? It's a little tricky to do that. In fact, we'll see he further... Uh, gives an illustration on that next, how you can't serve both God and riches in verse 24. Jesus says, No one can serve two masters, for he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. We'll pause there. So no one can be loyal to two masters. Uh, it's, he's bound to hate the one, and love the other, or support the one, and begin to, to despise and, uh, and and let go of the other. In other words, you cannot have two bosses. Now, if you're in the workplace, most likely you've got a boss. Unless you're self-employed, then you kind of are the boss. Or your wife. <laughs> um, but anyway, so if you've got one boss, imagine having two bosses. And, and both bosses have the same authority and the same uh, level of input into your role. It begins to get difficult. 
right? Because one might be more outgoing and more casual, more relaxed, better at small talk than one-on-one. The other may be more rigid and more um, kind of cold and uh, not very personal and very uh, programmed and, and not very um, maybe down to earth. You may begin to like the one over the other, right? And, and you can't have two bosses. It, just, it doesn't really work that way. If you take a look at nature, um, any, any animal that would have two heads, it doesn't function very well, right? In fact, it, it, we would say that's a freak of nature. Nobody needs to have one, one head to survive. And, and so we, that's, the, that's the point Jesus is making here. Right, is it's, it's it's not natural. So there needs to be one leader in our lives, and as Christians, we should realize that yeah, that one leader, and that leader is not us. That leader is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one that we need to be the leading our lives. So we realize that. Uh, unlike the world, the world will try and make itself the leader, to make itself God, um, to think that it can chart its own course, right? It, it's in control of its own destiny and fate. And the truth is, we can't even control our next breath. Right? We can't even control our next heartbeat. Um, oftentimes, it's not even in our control to control the weather, right? Or, or the sun's going to shine today, right? Or, or it's going to snow or not snow. Those things are outside of our control. So to think we can control is really an illusion. God's in control. God controls our next heartbeat. God controls our next breath of air. And, and God's working all things together for good for those that love Him and are called according to His purpose. So we realize that we need the Lord Jesus Christ. Right? The leader's not us. It's not our spouse, not our workplace boss. The leader is Jesus Christ. Now, if we seek to please man, if you're a person pleaser, that's going to be difficult because you might displease the Lord. But which is more important to obey, man or the Lord? When the disciples in the book of Acts begin to be persecuted for their faith, at one point they were, they were beaten severely and they were told, we do not permit you to teach or preach in this man's name. And if you do, we will uh, arrest you. We will begin to beat you again if you preach this Jesus of Nazareth. The disciples said, well, we'll leave that up to you. Uh, because which is it more important to obey, man or God? We must obey God. And you can see that in the Old Testament with Daniel and his companions, right? They, they took a stand for obeying the Lord. So, our loyalty should be to the Lord first and foremost, right? And, and your boss may uh, ask you at one point to do something immoral. Do you do it? Or do you realize, hey, I've got a higher boss, the Lord Jesus Christ, and I'm going to give an account to him on the day of judgment. I, I want to make sure I'm pleasing him first and foremost. So our loyalty should be to the Lord. Our loyalty shouldn't be to the power of money, because we cannot serve God and money at the same time. And so all this has to do with laying up your treasures in heaven. If manna or money is where your heart is, 
That's the thing that's going to master your life. And it's not wrong with having possessions. But make sure your possessions don't possess you. That the things in your life have not become your master over your life or of your life. So you can't have a passion for stuff and serve God at the same time. Make sure your master passion is the master Jesus Christ. You cannot serve God and stuff. You cannot be mastered by two masters. You can begin to neglect the one down the road or hold to the one and let go of the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And people have tried. Many people have tried this in their life and you just you can't do it. So better to serve God. Let him take care of our needs. To seek the Lord. In fact, we'll see that next, that he instructs us that we don't have to worry. That we can trust the Lord. He's in control and he knows what we need. So we'll take a look at that. That'll be the majority of our study. Uh, verse 25, we'll go to the end of the chapter, verse 34. And see the exhortation that we should not worry. So picking up here in Matthew 6, verse 25, Jesus says, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body. What you will put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap or gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Do you not have more value than they? Which, if you worry, can add one cubit to his stature. So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And I say to you that even Solomon, all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? O you of little faith, therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And there's a lot here to unpack, and so we begin to kind of look through that. But so many times people begin to wonder and, and worry, what are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? What are we going to wear? Surely life is more important than food and the body. The clothes that we wear. You see, our tendency to worry is to worry about things. And oftentimes things we need not worry about. I read one poll a few years ago that I was talking about the importance of people's priorities. And the question was asked if, you know, it was the end of the world and humankind was going to be destroyed what would be the most pressing concern in your life? And as people begin to respond after a day or two, 
and the poll ended, the most common response, again, if the world's taken out by like a nuclear disaster or something, the end of the world, the most common response and concern in people's life was, how do I look? Again, it, it reveals the human heart that we're a very selfish, self-centered people. The humankind is thinking about self, not thinking about the Lord, not thinking about others. But how, do, how do I look? How, how's my appearance? And so we begin to see that man often looks to self. Jesus tells us, look at the birds in the air. Take a look at them. They don't sow. They don't reap. They don't store away food in barns. Your Heavenly Father feeds them. Right? You don't see birds that they are taking their little vehicles to the grocery store and putting food in their shopping carts and then heading back home and putting their food in their pantry. You don't see that. God takes care of them. God feeds them. Now, the Lord is not advocating that we're not to plant or to harvest. Some have taken this concept that we're to be totally passive because God will satisfy us. God will fulfill us. The Bible says very clearly God calls us to work. In fact, even before the fall of man in the Garden of Eden, what did God have Adam do? Yeah, he had him till in the garden. That's right. He had him work in the Garden of Eden. Now, sure that after the fall of man, right, God caused a curse upon the earth because of Adam. Thorns and thistles and sweat of the labor from the brow of man, that it would be more difficult. But God has always called us to work. It's a good thing for a man to work. And the New Testament says that if a man does not work, he shall not eat. So even if you're unemployed, find something to do. Be productive. Be working. It also says in the New Testament that if a man does not provide for his own family, he's worse than an unbeliever. And so as men, we're called to be uh, the providers for our family. We're called to make sure that our family has enough to, to carry on, right? And so, no, we, we, we're not called to be passive, right? You don't see a little bird standing on top of a telephone pole, his mouth open, just waiting for a worm to, to drop in. He's active. He goes down, he pecks on the ground, he, he gets the worm, right? And he eats it. And, and I mean, the truth is, um, even French fries get dropped in the parking lot a fast food restaurant. So God's looking after the birds, right? God takes care of them. And I remember talking to one of my uh, kids about, you know, getting up in the morning, being productive, and the early bird gets the worm, and they said, Dad, that's gross. I don't like worms. Who would want to eat worms? I get it. But the point is, <laughs> be productive. Don't be lazy. Right? Don't be a lazy lima bee. Right? Get up and and be productive, be active. And, and so the idea that you can just lay back and do nothing and God will take care of you, it's not scriptural. We're called to work. And if you're young and you're living at home with your parents, God's called you to work. You may not like that, but that's what God's called you to do. He's called you to do your chores around the house, to clean up and pick up after yourself. To find ways that you can 
help your family. And, and you need to realize this is really important because all of this is preparing you for adulthood. All this is preparing you for one day when you have a place of your own. Mom and dad are going to come over and cook and clean for you. You've got to learn those skills so you can use them later. So you need to realize that doing chores around the house, while you may not like doing them, it's actually a good thing. It's training you, preparing you for the future. And one day, when uh, you're an adult, and you get married, and later on you have children, you'll realize you begin involving your children in those family chores as well, because you want to train them, you want to prepare them for adulthood one day as well. So God calls us to be at work. Well, what about clothing? Should we worry about those things? Jesus says, consider the, the lilies of the field, the wildflowers, how they grow. They don't work, they don't weave. Solomon's all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Right? You don't see flowers go to the clothing store and right, put stuff on for the latest fashion. Right? There's no clothing hangers, right? And yet Solomon wasn't arrayed to be as beautiful as one of those. Solomon was King David's son, and he was one of the richest men who, who lived. Uh, and he had a lot of things. And yet, nothing he wore was as beautiful as a flower. And, and it reminds me of these pictures up here on the screen. I've got a picture of birds and a picture of flowers. Uh, man, the, the flowers in Israel are amazing. If you want to do internet search, internet search for flowers in Israel, you'll be amazed at, at the beauty. In fact, you can even just search flowers around the world. Fascinating how something so small can bloom and turn into something so beautiful. And it God says even the best things that Solomon could wear wasn't even compared to the beauty and the majesty of a wildflower. So God is, is taking care of nature. Now at the same time, God is not saying that we should not be meal planning or that we should uh, discard to have proper clothing as our family grows or outgrows clothing. No, he's not saying that at all. He's saying we just don't need to make it the most important thing in our life. And In our family, we live a very simple life. I thank God that he's given me my wife and, and such a partner that we just, we are content. We don't try and keep up with the latest fashions and, and on all those things, right? Um, we, we just live our life unto the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and a life of being content with what God provides. Yet I know in the past we've had hard times as a family. We have run out of money. We've run out of food. Um, we've had times where we didn't have food in the fridge. We've had times where we didn't have money in the bank. We went to the gas station to get gas, and there was insufficient funds. Okay, we'll put a few bucks in just so we can get home and have to figure something else out. We've had times where we've gotten a bill, and we know what to do, and we're trying to figure out how do we pay for that. We don't have the money to pay for it. Maybe we write a check, knowing that that might take a day or two later to clear, give us a little more time to try and figure something out. 
But rather than worry about it, to do nothing about it, in our family, we've decided to take action. We pray to God for help. And we pray to God that he would give us wisdom. I remember one time, I believe I've shared this before, we were living in California, we ran out of, out of money, we ran out of food, and, and so we were trying to figure out what do we do for our meal. We had, we had nothing for dinner or supper. And, and so we said, well, let's pray. Let's seek the Lord. You know, thinking, well, the worst case scenario is we'll just go to bed hungry. We're going to skip a meal. We're not going to die. It's not going to be the end of the world. But it is what it is. And uh, so we begin to pray and just seek the Lord for wisdom and, and, and thank Him that He's just a great provider and, and that give us wisdom, Lord, how to navigate the situation and, and forgive us, Lord, if we are uh, doing things um, not being a good steward of your resources. And as we're praying, just seeking the Lord uh, to satisfy and, and to take care of us. We get a knock at the door and it, it was a stranger, someone we didn't know, uh, didn't recognize, and we find out in exchange uh, that this person was house-sitting for a neighbor not the one directly next to us at the door next door. And, uh, and uh, their deep freezer went out. And so rather than have a, the smell of, of food that's gone bad in the garage, we decided to go around the neighborhood and, and give away the food. And, and there was just a ton of fish. And so we said, I've got all these bags of fish here. Would you like some? Would you like, you know, to take these? And so we're like, Sure. So we took a whole bunch of fish and we had fish for dinner that night, fish for supper, and, and God provided. Right? It was it was amazing. We thanked and we praised the Lord for taking care of us. So it's a matter of trust in God. Now other times God has showed us we simply needed to make a plan and we had to budget better because we were making dumb decisions with money. We were for example, eating out too much. Uh, and, and God began to show us we could be better handling his money. We could be spending more time at home instead of uh, eating out at restaurants all the time. And so we began to learn how to, to be better stewards with those resources, right? To make sure that we had enough to get us through. But we see... In both of those cases, God was so good to us. He was so faithful to direct us and guide us and sustain us. And we, we know that God values us. God values people. John chapter 3, verse 16 says, For God so loved the world, He gave us one only Son, right, Jesus, so that whoever believes in Him will not perish have everlasting life. God the Father did not send His Son to the world to rescue the animals. God the Father did not send His Son to the world to rescue the plants. He sent His Son into the world to rescue people. You and me were precious to the Lord Jesus Christ. We're made His image, made in His likeness. God values our relationship with us. So we see that we're more valuable 
than the birds of the air and the flowers of the field. But the truth is, what are we seeking? What are we to be seeking? Simply put, we're to seek God. We're to put him first and foremost in our life. Put God first and he will take care of the rest. We're to take every concern to the Lord in prayer. And then he takes care of those things. And sometimes the wisdom take care of things right away. Sometimes it's good for us to share something as a prayer request with trusted uh, believers. And, and, and just pray together through a situation. Other times we found that they have a perspective, they have wisdom because they've just gone through something similar and they can have some insight and we're like, oh, didn't even think about that. That's, that's a really good idea. And the Bible says in the multitude of counselors, there's wisdom. So there's something just great about having brothers and sisters in Christ, like doing life together. And so seek the Lord. We don't have to worry about things. God will take care of you. Now, if you're looking at what everyone else has, right, and social media often does this, you begin to play the comparison game. And oftentimes in social media, people put their the best foot forward, right? A polished and happy look all the time. And, and if you begin to compare your life to theirs, you're going to end up a victim of this whole commercial system Going into debt and try and keep up with the Joneses. Whoever they are. Never met them. But don't let stuff of this world be your primary focus. Let the primary focus of your life be the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Focus on Jesus. For there to be a kingdom, there has to be a king. Focus on King Jesus. And in verse 34, it's interesting. He says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Isn't that interesting that most of the times we worry about things in the future? We worry about tomorrow, next week, next month, next year. Our worry is usually more about tomorrow and those things than it is about today. The Lord said, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow has its own day. Worry only robs us of the joy today. I think it was Corey Tim Boom who said, worry is like a rocking chair. Right? You can rock it fast, you can rock it slow, but it doesn't take you anywhere. In other words, you can worry a lot, you can worry a little bit, but it doesn't accomplish anything. And so we don't need to worry. And if you think about it from God's perspective, He's in control of everything, right? And, and so maybe you're really worried about something. Hey, what if the rapture happens? Why worry about it? Right? I don't know when the rapture's going to happen, but hey, God's in control of everything anyways. Right? And so we need to consider the Lord. We need to make sure that our focus is on Him. Well, in closing, we need to pray. We need to seek the Lord in all things. We need to plan. We need to be good stewards and managers of the resources God has given to us, right? To budget our time and our talents and our treasure accordingly. And then we need to trust God, right? We need to leave the results up to Him. We need to pray, we need to plan, we need to trust God. 
And know that when we do face hardships, we do face difficulties, whether it's stress at work, dealing with the grief and the sorrow of this cursed world, or anything else that is very challenging in life, we still have hope. Our hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we have the assurance that one day we will be with our Lord forever in heaven, in paradise. And maybe you haven't thought about it like this, but heaven is like a vacation, a nice long vacation away from the realities of this world. Now, from a human point of view, we can plan a vacation. We know where we're going, we know when we're going, we know those kind of variables, those details. We don't know that will happen. We know we're going. We know we're going to be there with our Lord. And it'll be perfect. No more sorrow, no more death, no more tears, no more pain, no more taxes, any of those things. It'll be gone. The old has passed, the new has come. But we know there will be a day when we will be in heaven forever. And so it's knowing we'll be with Jesus forever that encourages us not to lose hope. So may God help each of us so that these principles might become realities in our lives, that we might abide by the words of Jesus Christ, that we might indeed be the children God the Father desires us to be, that we will receive all the blessings, all the joy, all the goodness God the Father bestows upon his children as we seek him first and foremost above everything else. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the opportunity to study your word this morning. We thank you, Lord, that you remind us of these truths in the Sermon on the Mount. That, God, you desire for us to draw close to you. You desire for us to not lay up our treasures on this earth, to store up our treasures in heaven. And knowing, Lord, that you are our real reward. We pray, Lord, that you would make sure that the lamp of the body, the, the eyes that you've given us are seeing things from your perspective, seeing people from your perspective. To love you and love others. Their eyes would allow the true light in and not look to the things of darkness, the things of this world. And Lord Jesus, we pray that we would not be ruled by two masters, but we would be one master. We would have one master in life serving you, Lord. And Father, we pray you'd help us not to worry, but have your peace. And God, if we are failing in any of these areas, we ask that you would help us to surrender it all to you. To commit it all into your hand. Help us to be faithful servants, faithful stewards of your resources. And we would pray, we would plan and trust you. Lord, we pray if there be anyone here this morning uh, in service in person or perhaps watching this live stream online or later listening to the audio as it's archived who need to surrender life to you. We, we pray that today would be the day of salvation. That by your spirit you would convict them of their sin and convince them of your amazing grace. 
If you're here this morning or watching the live stream and you'd say, Pastor Tim, pray for me. Pray with me. I need to get right with God. He's not been the priority in my life. I need to change that. I need to make him the king on the throne of my heart. That's you this morning ready to make the decision. I simply want to lead you in prayer in just a moment where you make that decision. And based upon God's word, you become born again by putting your faith, your trust in Jesus Christ. So if that's you, I simply want to encourage you to repeat this prayer after me and truly read in your heart. God, I thank you for loving me. I thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for my sins. That you were buried and rose from the dead. God, I ask that you forgive me of all my sins. Cleanse me from my unrighteousness. Wash me clean. I surrender all of my life to you. Help me from this day forward to follow you. And put your spirit within me that I may do your will. God, I thank you for knowing me. I thank you for forgiving me. I thank you for loving me. And I pray that I will continue to serve you because you are my king. I am your servant. And I pray this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, look, if that was you and I was the first time you prayed to see Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, perhaps a rededication, coming home as a prodigal, we'd love to encourage you, pray with you, give you some resources, uh, give you a Bible if you don't have one. You've been listening to From the Inside Out with Pastor Tim Mulder of Calvary Chapel, Fergus Falls in Minnesota. We're glad you could join us today as we study God's Word cover to cover. Verse by verse, chapter by chapter, and book by book. Would you like to partner with us? Consider becoming a giver with us to support this ministry. Please visit ccfergusfalls.com giving. Find out more about this ministry and all of our ministries. Check out ccfergusfalls.com. May God bless you as you study his word with us and grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Life to you I give shout from the inside out.